0: Oh my goodness. Hey, hi, it's Mike. Did you know that Abe and Bridget and me are trying to make a movie right now? Yes, right dang now. It's called Papa Bear and tells the poignant and hilarious true story of the time my dad came out as a gay furry when I was 17. Uh, If you care about that at all, please head to seedandspark.com slash fund slash papa hyphen bear to find out much more about the project how you can be a part and earn really cool rewards for helping us out see you there here's your pod thanks so much Gary on my TV screen. Uh, All these bitches really mean. True. Girl, you're a woman now. True. Plug it up, plug it up. Plug it up. Plug it up. Plug it up. Pig's blood.
1: Pig's blood. <laughs> Um, uh, this should just be the podcast now. It <laughs> is. <see>. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man.
0: Welcome. Welcome to Carrie. Welcome. It is a Carrie. It's Carrie Day here on Kings of King, where uh, myself, Michael Swayman, my best pal, Abe Epperson, Hiya. break down anything ever adapted to film or television by the great late. I'll have to Google it. Stephen King. No, I know he's alive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And today. He's still doing
1: his political tweets. He's out there on Twitter. That's right. Very
0: political. Talking about his dog, calling her Molly the Thing of Evil, I believe is his dog's name. He's a cute old horror man. He's a cut. He's really cute for a billionaire. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, today we're starting with like the Ur adaptation. Cause if you are a regular listener, you know I was out for a bit and we figured we'd get back going, like restart the engine with a big boom. It is the first ever Stephen King adaptation to film. 1976's Carrie. It's been remade twice since, but we're starting with the original. Uh, So the very first, like its success led to Hollywood going, we're going to adapt everything this guy ever writes for the rest of time. So this was a big deal for him. Uh, And we're going to get into it. Abe, talk now. For a while Yes
1: <laughs> I'm a big fan of this movie Oh good Um, The screenplay is tight And I like stories leading to inevitable Like crashes or landings As the case may be It's like the same structure of movies I know you like Like when I think of like Whiplash Or Ex Machina I actually think that Maybe uh, maybe knowingly Maybe unknowingly They kind of have some service To carry which is just, I like how it's just, uh, or like I would say, one
0: note mm-hmm. that crescendos. To yeah, an dude. Or you even know, like, like "Requiem for a Dream," where it's like drugs are yeah. bad, and it's no more simple than that. And you know they're making bad choices. You know where it's going. You mm-hmm. can't look away like a train wreck, and it goes all the way back to fucking Antigone, dude. It's the classic Greek tragedy. The whole point of mm-hmm. what makes something a tragedy instead of just a general drama is at the beginning someone goes, this is not going to end well. And you know the whole time and you're just watching it unfold. You just feel tense. Yeah. yeah. And I love very pointedly in Carrie, even Carrie herself goes, it's just going to be a trick. Like, why would they like me suddenly? They're going to trick me, mama. And then the mama's mm. like, you're getting pulled into this. They're going to laugh at you. And then, And you <laughs> see, and you as the audience see them be like, We're going to prank her. Here's step two of the prank. Okay, the prank is ready. You're like, this is not going to end well. That's the feeling you get the whole time. It's dread more than jump scares or more than. And it's like horror at the meanness of people, which is uh, something King, of course, does a lot, but not all the time. It's like not ghosties. It's it's internal spookies. (laughs) It's the inside spookies. So let's get into it. Uh, in our first segment, where if what we just said doesn't make sense, it soon will, because we're going to synopsize this baby in Under the Dome.
1: Our best guess puts the dome at 20,000 feet, sir. Did he just call it a dome? You think we might be stuck in here a while? Under the dome. dome. Under this dome. Kiss okay. the dome.
0: Uh, Kiss the dome. <laughs> this is where we click, quickly walk through. I sometimes it's long I forget but I'm going to try we, and be quick. We go through time. the whole
1: movie and tell you we what's punctuate up. moments that we like. Yeah, uh, even if you've seen
0: it it might have been a while.
1: Uh, but let's streamline yeah. this Do because it. I like to streamline. Plus this, you know, movie's like fucking Ooh, it zips. Opening image. Carrie sucks at volleyball. She's bullied by her peers. Uh, We get this credit sequence that you probably want to talk about, Mike, which is naked high school girls in the locker room. It makes me pretty uncomfortable being 37. And also,
0: I think it's hilarious how at the end... They cut to a shower nozzle that is a very specifically shaped shower nozzle that looks like a chrome looks robot like penis,
1: a little tiny and it is just poof. shooting come at her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's right. I had that same thought. I was like, "That's a penis." <laughs> of uh, Way to go, Brian De Palma, director of Carrie. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing that we do as a society. We definitely did a. We, I mean, we still kind of do it because I'm thinking like. Daenerys Targaryen was technically supposed to be, like, 16 when she, like, walked out of, you know, with dragons and all naked. Mm -hmm. But, like, definitely a 70s thing, an 80s thing, a slasher thing, all that you want to say. It's also weird that I'm, like, also most of these women are, like, 26. You know, like, that's... So it's, like, not... It's It feels wrong for multiple reasons, but it feels not wrong, or it's like not wrong for one reason. That's all I'm pointing well, out. Well,
0: and that he's, I guess what makes it defensible is that the very next scene, uh, I mean the same scene, but the whole point of this sequence is she, at the last shot, blood starts, like you get a shot where you're like, are we going to see puss? And then blood starts flowing down her legs. <laughs> so I'm saying the whole point is to Try and get you kind of horny and then be like, it's a horror movie, bitch. And I actually think that's a defensible technique. Uh, it's pretty effective. And it it immediately draws you into Carrie's world, which is horrible. So um, she's having her first period. And we find out later that she has never been informed that that would happen or anything about it. By her, so her she mother. She doesn't know what's and- going on. And she just shrieks and shrieks and asks for help like she's bleeding out. And everyone, including the coach, like the teacher figure, just makes fun of her. I mean, the the girls make fun of her saying, plug it up, plug it up and throwing tampons at her. Like basically, like uh, literally intentionally, like someone being stoned in the Bible. Um, I know the actress, Sissy Spacek, like it's studied the posture of people who are stoned in the Bible as she gets pelted with tampons. And then the coach comes in and is like, stop making fun of her. But also... You don't know what a period is? That's stupid. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I think so she's everyone just confused at first. She slaps like, her dude. <laughs> you
1: can't see that. It, yeah, but I she, guess you I can in yeah. the seventies. In the se-
0: everyone's slapping everybody in Every, this movie. Like many, or at least two teachers slap, straight up slap Carrie, which is yeah, wild.
1: Yeah. yeah, multiple kids. Yeah, Collins slaps too. Multiple yeah. kids. Yeah. It's uh it's man. Learn to,
0: math. Slap,
1: slap. Yeah. To, I wonder what the 70s was really like. Yeah. just was schools just slap fest, just slap factories, slap all the John Travolta there. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. You slap my Whoa. face.
0: Oh. Slap my face.
1: Yeah. Let's go. But she we we, in it, though, we mm-hmm. see the, uh, that she screams, not wanting to be touched at this point, and we get the first hint of her secret power uh, a light bulb breaks. Uh, and then we cut to the principal, and he's like, all right, go home for the day. And he's not hes not a good principal. He's very bad. Uh, and Carrie flips an ashtray when he can't get her name right, keeps calling her uh, Cassie. Mm-hmm. Uh, on her way home, a shitty little boy on a bicycle calls her Creepy Carrie. And she just flips that little shit's bicycle and, like, hurts his leg. It's great. Uh, so we get this vibe that, like, the outside world is constantly attacking this poor young woman. And uh, at home, well, Carrie's yeah, mom is-
0: Sorry, hmm. but as tragedies must go, it shows you the ending like four times right at the front, right? It's like, people are mean to her, but they don't realize she's psychic and she fucks back with them she back. she fucks, yeah. And then someone's mean to her and she fucks with them. And then someone's mean to her and she fucks with them. Guess what the climax is going to be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what makes it so a dread, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's great. Um, Carrie's mom, famously- She's a Bible thumper trying to preach the good word to the level to of being a cultist, Yeah. And uh, when Carrie gets home, she tells her that menstruation is a sin, you know? And torments her, uh, basically tortures her just like the students. Makes her go and to her little clo- Harry Potter closet she closet, lives in under yeah. the
0: stairs where all she can do is pray to a little glowing figurine of St. Sebastian,
1: and she has to pray for hours. Right. Yeah. Well, it's I think it's meant to be Jesus, but yeah, in the trivia <sighs> I section, St. The... Sebastian is what they used on the day. Uh, because they like the because I don't know. Maybe they don't have light up eye Jesus. It but. doesn't even look like
0: Jesus. Or I would say, like, it's not the, but maybe in the book it was Jesus. Who cares? She prays. That's a for badass hours. prop, though. It I want cool that prop. prop. Yeah. Like,
1: just to have around just just these eyes looking yeah. at me from above. The and hallway. then, of course,
0: and, you know, because the cycle must continue, Carrie is so upset that a mirror shatters. So so that's the fourth iteration. Cool of, shot, too. Stop fucking with
1: her. She's psychic. <laughs> and if you notice that, that is also uh the score of psycho <laughs> literally de palma yeah. the
0: director's like fuck it we'll literally just use the iconic psycho music uh it's very tarantino it's like a quote like yeah. a brazen quote of just
1: yeah the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I kind of love a lot of the choices that de palma makes in general but definitely yeah. in this movie it's one of his top tier uh, we'll get into we'll that get to that later. it. We'll get
0: to it. So she's in English class the next day. Um the teacher literally with uh,
1: Mario by the way. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love this maneuver, but uh, the English teacher reads a poem that if you parse the words is literally about the importance of being kind to each other and then mm-hmm. shits on Carrie for like like, what did you think of the poem? And she's like, it's beautiful. And he goes, that's all. It's beautiful. Easy. You're stupid. Yeah. You're <laughs> like essentially. Yeah. Um, and then this jock with golden locks and dreamy. Tommy. eyes sticks up for her. Uh, just barely. He goes like, barely. you suck, dude. To the teacher. What was that? Nothing. Yeah. And uh, and she is instantly smitten. Like you can see, of course, because he was nice to her. Um, someone writes Carrie White eats shit on her locker or the wall of the gym or whatever. Um, they blame her for making them lose volleyball. Like that matters in life at all. Uh, right. the, the coach calls all the girls forward and chooses them all out for being mean girls and forces them to do extra gym. Uh, and then one of the girls is, uh, I think her name's Chris, who will become yeah. a primary antagonist is like top of the food chain. The mean girl. Yeah.
1: You know, I attended. don't want
0: to do that. And the coach is like, fine, you lose prom. That's it. Done. Your prom, lo- you know, no prom for you. And she's like, Carrie White will pay for this.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Carrie's is looking at miracles in the library because this is what she's like. I don't know. I, I think I can do miracles, yeah. which is. One of the cooler aspects, just someone researching what they are when they have superpowers. Yeah. Uh, And then we get an important character that I want to, you know, kind of just signpost just because later is relevant. Sue Snell. um, Good name. Yeah. Sue Snell, who's played by Amy Irving, um, is kind of a remorseful peer of Carrie's. Asks her, as we saw in the first scene, in the previous scene in the classroom. Her resident hot boy, Tommy, who's her boyfriend. Hot but nice. He's nice. Yeah, Yeah. she's like, I don't even want to go to prom anyway. I want to do something nice for Carrie. I think what they did was fucked up. So can you ask Carrie to prom and show her a good time? Can you do that for me, Tommy? And he's like, I don't... Babe, I don't want... Like, he's just being weird, uh, and that's... Well, it is a uh, weird request. But then very quickly, request,
0: I thought it was a yeah. nice touch. He watches a cowboy movie that night, and they, uh, a hero on the screen is like, I'll protect you, and he's like, you know what, I will take care yeah, of prime. Yeah, I will. Yeah.
1: And then we, then we enter John Travolta in it's one of a symmetrical his first acting roles.
0: Right, right, because yeah. she's also asking her boyfriend a favor, yeah.
1: And we get this parallel between John Travolta and Chris, who is, the, you know, the... The head honcho of the The, the main ladies. mean girl, yeah, Queen yeah. Bee. And uh, they're out on the town. I want to mention the scene for two reasons. One, John Travolta is unconvincing that he can drink a beer. Uh... It just dribbles all over, like mostly comes out onto his chin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does it multiple times. It's a very strange. And choice. he's not
0: good. It's a really early. I he think he's trying to be like, I'm
1: a bumpkin and I can't even drink. He's right. playing dumb. Yeah, he like yeah. his character is clearly a fucking yokel. <laughs> and uh, he slaps Chris for calling him a shit. He doesn't like being called a shit. Yeah, don't and call Chris... me a shit. Why are you so mean to me? Oh. And Chris slaps him back. Like everyone's slapping each other, and, and it we'll, makes we'll them horny, a... y'all. The, slapping, he does. the slap. It does. Yeah, the fight. slapping. Yeah. So I guess you know I can't kink shame, but uh, I think the movie's trying to. We'll talk more about it later. But uh, how the abuse of the community is kind of ritualistic. Uh, in well, some he loves sense. this. It's like Derry and it, right?
0: It, he doesn't yeah. push it to the supernatural, or it's also like The Overlook Hotel and The Shining. But he's like, there's places in the world where everyone's just a piece of yep. shit, <laughs> and that and that would suck. Um, and so she yep. blows him. John Travolta and says, like, I need a big favor because I hate Carrie White. And it cuts out on ominously and uh, something many people pointed out online, but it must be said uh, she has the amazing ability, thanks to recording her voice afterwards to be doing a full on blowjob, like head bobbing up and down at the bottom of frame while calmly speaking perfectly to him, like, I think we need to do something bad about Carrie White. It's like, where's the dick? Where's the dick in your mouth? Where's the dick?
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway. How are you? Like, yeah. if that happened, I'd be like, whoa, whoa this we this need is to stop and talk about. Yeah. Um, She gets <laughs> a X-Men.
0: Yeah. Carrie gets a heart to heart from the coach who has shown like some interest, but a clumsy interest in helping her. And she essentially tells her to smile more, like fix your attitude <laughs> yeah, and be more normal. Right. Yeah. Um, So you're just seeing that people have nothing for her, right? There's she's a precious based on the novel pushed by Stephen King.
1: Like there's no, there's no port in a storm for her. Her life sucks. That's the horror of it. Um, Tommy eventually asks Carrie to out to prom does the deed, but she runs away. Cause I like this. I like how they played this because, uh, when she kind of runs into miss Collins about it, uh, Miss Collins responds like, oh, that's so great. But like Carrie's like, no, 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 no. I, there's there's a grift here. I know what's up. And even Miss Collins, by the end of that conversation, knows something's up. Uh, so she takes Tommy and Sue aside and says like, the fuck are you doing? Really? Why, what, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Everyone knows what happens. Everyone knows the social hierarchy. You don't date her. What's what is going, going on? on here? Yeah. And Sue says, honestly, I'm not trying to hurt her, Uh, but Collins is kind of reluctant, but then kind of presses forward because she also buys into the kind of like, maybe it would be nice for Carrie. I also want to do something nice for Carrie. Uh, and, so Tommy presses further and tries to convince Carrie to go to prom by telling her, I won't leave your doorstep until you say yes. And then she finally says, OK, when uh, he says, I'm asking you, like, the reason I'm doing it, actually, is because you liked my poem, um, which is like just an inkling of some kind of kindness. It's
0: not a good enough reason, but it's it's his not excuse. a good enough reason. It's just but a story for to convince her. But yeah.
1: she's starved for it. So she and buys that's it. Important. Hesitantly, hook line which is the yeah. tragedy, well, of course. Hesitantly, but eventually hook line. Eventually
0: she's all in. Right. But at first yeah. she says, well, I just think it's pointed, that she says to her mom, they're probably tricking me. And her mom's like, Yeah, they probably are, but she yeah. needs it. So everyone bad knows that it's she so, so. goes and into it. Yeah. Um, child. meanwhile, yeah. Travolta and Chris have figured out what they're gonna do to get back at Carrie. Um, pretty straightforward. They're going to rig the prom votes so that she wins prom queen. Cause they find out Tommy's taking her, uh, and they're going to kill a pig at one of the farms secretly at night, take all the blood, uh, and dump it on her head like a Nickelodeon double dare slime challenge. But with pigs, <clears> blood and we see as an echo of her period, right. Cause that's what she's right. known for. At uh, school.
1: and we see the scene where she, John Travolta and Chris go to a pig farm and murder. Yeah, a pig. I wanted to read his line. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna bash your picky heads in, and you won't have
0: to worry about the bomb no more. I just get her done, man. I get her done. <laughs> he kills a pig with a sledgehammer.
1: Get her done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, I was like, when I remember watching this and going, like, Chris is. I I was like, is she gonna. She does she like she gonna this? Blow this does she pig hate this? To get it nope. to give C- the blood. Cuts to her screaming and going do it. Do it. <laughs> they're just two fucking maniacs. Like
0: they're not just trying to get back at Carrie, they're horny to <laughs> kill they a pig with a hammer. It. Yeah.
1: They love it. Uh,
0: uh yeah, Carrie I'm, tells mom, I'm going to prom and there's nothing you can do about it cuz let's cut the shit. I'm psychic. Like I could fuck you up and you know that I that's love true. T- and the mom goes yeah, that's how I know that you're like Satan. Like, I see that as Satan's witch magic inside you. Mm-hmm. And you realize, well, yeah, that's how the relationship got so toxic, right, is Carrie instinctively uses telekinesis to protect herself, which the mom sees as even more proof that she's like a demon child. You're
1: a demon child, no. yeah. And I wanted to point out in the scene that like uh, Carrie's goal is clearly to be normal. She's like, I just want to be normal, to stop the pain. And she drinks the Kool-Aid quick enough that at a certain point in the conversation, she says like, but mama, like everyone thinks I'm funny. Like I, it's not that bad, even though it actually is that bad. And yeah. mom has diagnosed it. Mom sees people's base animals. And in this movie, they really are. Um, And I just also want to point out. So, that so is she. But yeah,
0: but she's not wrong. Yeah, she's the worst.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sissy Space at. Literal midpoint of the film says I'm gonna I'm gonna use my powers. You can't stop me. Yeah, Uh, great, just great. I love it. Um, Turns out that Travolta and Chris are uh, rigging, and then it cuts to them rigging in the stage. (laughs) I love proms tonight. Yeah,
0: or just to do this prank, which obviously, in the case of this film, it has dire consequences. But I'm just saying. I could see a version where someone gets covered in blood and it's not that big. And they're like, I'm going to graduate in a month anyway. Fuck you all. You're bastards, but I don't care. Um, Like I'm out of here. Like it didn't, it doesn't injure her. It doesn't ruin her life. Um, Obviously in this case it does, but because of what happens. And my other point, it's like hilarious to me that to pull it off. They have to hide under the stage for the entire duration of prom. It's a shitty prank. Like, it requires too much effort. (laughs) That's right. Yeah.
1: I mean, they really hate Carrie. Yeah, real bad. Yeah.
0: They're probably fucking under that stage, you know? At least to pass the time. Yeah. So. uh, Prom's
1: tonight. Chris employs a lackey to like rig the prom queen election by getting on the Yeah, the who cares board. how? Yeah, they yeah. just they
0: rig the election. She wins but, prom yeah, queen. But
1: everyone's a buzz, people prepare, uh and we get a scene where Carrie actually telepathy telepathies her mother into her bed when she tries to convince her to like, you should burn all your prom stuff. But she's picked up by to- Tommy who acts to the part at the prom. Miss Colin tells us a story about going to prom with the star basketball player and how their car broke down and they had to walk and they weren't like up to dancing. So they just talked, and it was a magical night. And she reminds Carrie that you'll never forget prom and it's special. And it comes from a genuine place, you get the feeling from Miss Uh Collins. But she wants Carrie to have a better time. And Tom and Tommy and Carrie dance. We get the famous 361-er conversation, and it's really well done. It's maddening. Uh, and it's kind of again half genuine, half something about to go like terribly wrong. It's like this drain as we spin into the inevitability of like the uh, carnage to uh, proceed, and Tommy and Carrie vote for themselves as prom king king and queen. The ballots are collected, and the ballots winner is straight out of like old school MGM pictures. I love like how. Speaking of MGM, I gotta say from that spinny Um, shot, which we'll talk about more in
0: the next segment, it really made put me in the mind mm, of the tornado from Wizard of Oz and the idea that. She does very shortly mm. enter mm-hmm. a brand new world where she has all the power because she's because cu- she's wearing something red. I don't know if there's anything there, but
1: you know. no, absolutely, there's color theory behind this movie. But um, after kind of that magical moment of walking up to the microphone and being uh, voted as prom king and queen, Carrie finds kind of her false happiness. And meanwhile, Sue, uh, who is kind of the remorseful. Uh, you know, not friend of Carrie's, but white knight at least uh, fellow student <laughs> notices. Yeah. Notices the blood and the, and just the whole plot that's going on under the stage moments before it happens. And Sue's the only outsider, like kind of as with morals at this point, she's like us at this point, but she's an abuser kind of turns syr- uh, sympathetic is what they're trying to convey. And they throw Sue out for trying to make a scene so uh, uh, right before late. all yeah. the blood pours over her. Yeah, it's a and it's it's the famous scene y'all probably seen it's (laughs) slow-mo overscore won't uh, belabor
0: the climax because but the last 20 minutes of the film of course is a famous epic climax that if you're aware of the movie you're aware of it so to do it very quickly there's this epic split screen uh you know climactic sequence where carrie flips out her powers manifest in a dark phoenix-esque way uh, and she just sort of instinctively kills everyone, locks the doors, cuts people in half with basketball backboards and shit, uh, electrocutes people with falling cables, which sets a fire, which burns, and then like walks home, destroying the town as she goes. Uh, I th- that's that's it's not really plot carrying, but understand that it's like a good ten minutes, right? Of 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 shit, of like. Basically, the coming of that shower nozzle. like It's the scene you've been waiting for, and here it is. Um, Billy and Chris try to kill her with their car. Uh, A proud 70s bully tradition. mm -hmm. Um, And she just, you know, like, fuck Mm. you, you know, with her mind. Flips the car, blows that up, kills them both. Goes home. The mom is fervently trying to, like, expunge her energy from the house with prayers and candles and shit. Um, But she just calmly goes to the bath, washes the blood off. And says, Mama, please hold me. It was horrible. They laughed at me. But Mama tries to kill her. They fight. You want to bring it home?
1: Yeah. Uh apparently to her, I just want to point out sex right. is sin, any type of sex. There's an important scene before they fight where uh she confesses to Carrie that uh she's like, I probably shouldn't even had you. Like, but the you know, the 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 horniness took me and that's the devil's method. And so she's like, we'll pray for the last time. We'll pray. Like, obviously I should have killed you in the back, but oops. Yeah. But Carrie flings a series of knives into her mother, killing her, which is seems to like be a comfort for her more than anything. uh, Cause she dies like Jesus on the cross, which is a big deal for her. And then Carrie screams. She realizes she's alone, hugs her dead mother and, tears the whole fucking house down upon herself with the mother. She dies in the closet slash, you know, praying closet slash altar that she prayed before, uh, and light up. Jesus looks on. And then the next day as an epilogue, we get the scene where Sue's mother uh, tells a friend on her phone that they're moving out of town Too because of, this is a traumatic experience for Sue and Sue survives. Sue goes, uh, she, we get in a, a series of cuts that Sue goes to Carrie's house and, with flowers to drop on her grave. The grave says is actually a for sale sign made out to look like a grave that has been graffitied with Carrie white burns in hell. And then Carrie's hand rises from the ground and grabs hers. Turns out it was a dream. And Sue is seen as the final pullback of the film. Sue is seen. As seemingly right. one of the only survivors of this mat- prom massacre is it's forever. It's 1976, so I guess uh, it's a little
0: more acceptable. But Friday the 13th, misery itself, like boy, we gotta never again, or at least for the next hundred years. Let's not do the ending where the monster's zombie hand comes up and it goes like, but it was all a dream, or uh, was it the end question mark? Like, let's retire that yeah, shit. Yeah, that's for real. that's
1: nightmare. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's Elm Street but it was 1976 uh, which is great first you know it's book, classic so, you know. but I know why we right. walked away from that to be honest
0: uh, and let's yeah. walk way
1: way way uh, over to our next segment
0: I think where we whoo, yeah it was pretty good that was quick I uh, like it where we talk about the cast and the crew and sort of set up the broader conversation mechanically it's called Skeleton Crew
1: in the mist. Shut the doors. Shut the doors. Um, yeah. So there's a bunch of people with ten, like, just impressive resumes on this film. The ones that obviously, one of the big start, the start of Sissy Spacek's career. For the Oscar for it. Uh, you know, Amy Irvine as well. Nancy Allen had already been semi-established, but you know, uh, Nancy Allen. If you don't recognize the name. That's uh, RoboCop. uh, She's RoboCop. uh, It was very uh, transformative. She's a real She's not RoboCop. Uh, And, of course, Piper Laurie as (laughs) the mom
0: um, because it's a tour de force performance, so we have Mm -hmm, to mention it. mm -hmm. Um, The the behind-the-scenes thing I wanted to mention about Piper Laurie, which I'm sure you also read – Uh, And this is an interesting through line for King because, of course, we've discussed how Danny and The Shining, that actor, didn't know they were making a scary movie, which was probably appropriate to shield the kid from that. They would just tell him what to do in scenes and they'd, you know, hide him from the reverse shot where you see the monster. Um, In this, several of the actors barely understood what was going on. So, like, uh, Nancy, who played Chris... Mm -hmm has said multiple times that she thought it was like a dark comedy because their prank was so stupid. She thought that they were like... Which they are, like yokel bumblefucks, but she thought the music would be funny and it would be like Dukes of Hazard, and they're like idiots, right? And they would be comic relief was her you know, what she thought. And of course they're not. They're like the primary when she saw it, she's like, Oh, we're so mean, we're the villains. And then Piper Laurie, who played Margaret White, <clears throat> insisted that it's gotta be a comedy because Brian De Palme is forcing her to do this character that she sees as ridiculously mm. over the top. She's like, This Christian bullshit is so Which is- stupid
1: on its face. And yeah, which is particularly salient to me. I don't know. I just find it's it's perfect mm-hmm. nutshelling of what like, is horror. What is even. what is art and who who what is horror and all that. This is a role that she was nominated for an oh, Academy yeah. Award i for. was like so I didn't get it. It's just like <laughs> yeah. so it's just she, I didn't get it. This is bullshit movie. Oh, I guess I'm Thank nominated you. for an Academy yeah. Award. And, All
0: right. Uh, cool. Also, very interesting in the light of a movie you sh- exposed me to this year uh, at a Small Beans Monday movie night. If you're listening to us to this, join us Monday movie night oh, yeah. 6 p.m. <laughs> Pacific uh, on the Small Watch Beans it. Discord channel, the movie night channel, which anyone's welcome to. But anyway, you showed me Phantom of the Paradise which is also a De Palma movie yeah. De Palma directed this and I will say watching Phantom of the Paradise which is just which is like off the wall wacky but not bad it's inventive in how it you're like this is really weird this is very engaging in how weird like zany and wacky and bright mm-hmm. it is and uh yeah. really made me think of De Palma different cuz I associate him with his more serious stuff and if oh, yeah. may I'm like oh he has like a Sam Raimi-esque streak in him and it makes me appreciate Carrie more bit. too for sure yeah he was when he
1: was young yeah, he's a little it, bit more unhinged. it does feel like, like settled into Brian de palma he's a little askew Yeah, yeah it really does he's i think that at the time that's what how they were marketing directors too you know like that was like the vibe because they were like all right so all the old Guys are dead, mainly Hitchcock. What are we what are we as a generation? Yeah. We're the slashers.
0: Yeah. Blood splattered, um, so, not your grandma. Yeah, and actually slasher, bringing up f-
1: Fuck you. The camera's tilted. Shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah. bringing up Phantom of Paradise is great because Cece Spacek was a like carpenter what? on that film. It's <laughs> crazy. Like, she worked in the production design. Yeah, uh, and that was gi- and that was partially because she was dating, or at some point was uh, was dating Jack Fisk, who is a well-known art director, uh, production designer in Hollywood. He's known as perhaps the best, uh, arguably the best art director production designer in the business uh if you don't know his name because most people probably don't know who jack fisk is he's the king uh, he is the guy that anytime he's he's the guy that everyone when they talk about you know there's like a production designer who like uh who like like for tree of life for example when he did tree of life he made like all they built a whole like street with with uh houses and like to make it look like the suburbs and there was something like 20 houses on a block and he filled each one of those houses even though they weren't being filmed with books and you know like all the shit that you would have that you would you you know to function in that world he's like the methodist uh you know uh production designer there exists he did the revenant he did tree of life like i mentioned there will be blood Mulholland Drive, Straight Story, Thin Red Line, works a lot with Terrence Malick, obviously, and Phantom of the Paradise, baby. Uh, So he's just like one of those, just like, "Mm, oh, the master. Wow. Oh, baby. Uh, So just... Heavy hitter, heavy hitter. Uh, And this is like when he was an art director as opposed to production designer uh, and he was working his way up. So even though horror typically is like, well, it's usually the Savini's and like the the creature features and the makeup and uh, effects uh, departments that get all the credit. This is where we start getting into the art directing aspect of it, uh, which is pretty cool. And so long story short, that's Jack Fisk. Sissy Spacek was not considered to be famous yet. Like really an actress by Brian De Palma yet. He was like, Oh yeah, sure. She can audition. But she didn't really want her to, but then she knocked it out of the park, and he was like, Okay, I was gonna cast Amy Irving as Carrie, but now Amy Irving, you moved to Sue, which is a much smaller role. Uh, so yeah, just well, that's now a I hate this cool, weird, like, yeah, use Harrison it. Ford situation. <laughs> yeah, perfect, use it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's kind of a cool way of how the things kind of formed. You want to hear another sure. weird fact I that I too. thought was hilarious from the production? Uh, so. Apparently, oh, Steven Spielberg would often up, yeah, come sure. to the set. Oh yeah. So, cuz Brian De Palma and Steven Spielberg at this time two hot single directors uh who are filming with uh there's a lot of cute girls in uh Brian De Palma's production was the word on the street and Spielberg set uh apparently asked out most of the women That's right. on the set. Uh and Obviously, one of those people was Amy Irving, uh, who's the only one who went on a date with him. And of course, as you know, if you listen to our show, the Spielboys, or no Spielberg, uh, in some sense, they were married for a few years. Right. Which is also um, interesting when you couple it with the, the factoid so you, that. Carrie.
0: Uh, most of the girls were reticent to be nude and took some convincing. And Sissy Spacek had to shoot her nude scene first and then show that footage. So, they're... so I don't know. I don't want to see Spielberg as like cruising, but he was also very young at this time. Like he's in his late twenties, asking out girls. They're all their cruising twenties. But I don't, I never. I'm like. Oh, no, Steven Spielberg's purity. But then I guess it's saved because he married her and had a kid with her. I'm like, all right, that's cute again. He's cute again.
1: That's like the most Steven Spielberg. Date thing random yeah. It's married. like I'm going to go out there and ask all those girls and one <laughs> yeah. of them's going to be my wife. Do You do know, know, the like, Harry Nielsen Steven one. Steven I baby. Is not
0: on topic, but it's quick. Or do you do you know Harry sure. Nielsen's proposal Hit story? With oh. the Harry Niels. um, no, he saw a woman at like a shop and was like, I'm in love with this woman. And he left and he came back or they chatted and he found out some of her favorite things. So like he left and came back with like a limousine filled with like 50 watermelons. Cause she mentioned liking her, like all this shit and was like, please marry me. And she said, yes, which is crazy. <laughs> and they were married for the rest what of their lives. What a time lives. to yeah. be alive. During- uh So anyway, yeah, that's what I was going to cover.
1: That's yeah. that's the crazy pat. That's the aspect that's the craziest is they yeah, right, remained right, right. married. Because I totally believe in the '60s that people are like, let's right. get married, uh, just on a whim. And it, but the and fact they that they were like, I like the idea that they're like, no, <laughs> right, the right. bond. We have they hate each other, but they're like, we need to stick it together for the bond. So uh, uh, last things I, I got
0: are uh, that Piper Laurie, the mom. I just just shout out because even though she full, like admits not understanding the exact assignment, yeah. she is good in it, and she said that the scratch marks on her face at the end are real. So she tried hard, like she scratched her face up for this show. You know, she still tried. Yeah, um, Sissy Spacek, of course, famously, probably wanting to prove prove herself and admirably so, tried really really hard, read a lot, stayed covered in the blood to stay in it, like you know, kept herself separate from chris and john travolta so as to not form a likable relationship with them shit like that um and the only other thing i had which i do think yeah. is funny is that in real life sissy spacek was my prom queen um and i'm not saying she was mean <laughs> but i always yeah. think it's funny because if you become a famous actor or especially actress the way that our society is set up um you kind of are like a one of the beautiful people to be in that position to have reached that position and it's uh always interesting one of them are like i'm gonna play a loser like a real nerd some shitty
1: <laughs> dork a yeah princess diary that's all for me yeah yeah that's i mean because what are we gonna do pay money to write <laughs> the that's ugliest on, Shit. go fuck yeah. yourself <laughs> yeah that's cone brothers let's let's all and then uh, yeah then all the uglies are like let's together get together and make our own movies and no hey one i watched them marty um <laughs> uh maybe we'll talk about that someday <laughs> but are you ready to move into the next
0: passage uh-huh
1: all i want to add is just that because we like to keep uh keep tabs on steve steven uh Stephen King, who is credited in this film with a V, because that's how low on the totem pole he is at, at this point in his career, uh, he liked the ending in the movie better than the ending of his own book, which is only uh, true and about it The Mist, says. I don't says. know the um, of the
0: book, do you?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think I read it, and I think it's she dies on the street after blowing up yeah, John Travolta. Yeah, that's just <laughs> okay. Who... John Travolta and Chris She dies uh, She dies like on the street Basically he's uh, just saying uh, It was a good day stuff, emma, That I she think. collapsed
0: the house On the mom And herself
1: Yeah Which it is that's Right good. Sure okay. <clears throat> Right Yes Yes Well I think it's a. That's the thing And let's Let's move on To the next section Which we call It Bill If you'll come with me You'll float too uh, this is where we want mm-hmm. if we want to get into the scene, yeah, scene well, work a little bit more at, uh, but m- knowing it's michael and me we're gonna talk themes and symbolism mostly because that's the shit we really like um yeah no i actually want to move the conversation towards like w- like brian de palma is really good at setting tension right he's the, the angles he always uses canted angles uh, and they're very off-putting and kind of perfect for horror or darkness in general. And the editing is really sharp, not just in a 1970s way, but like particularly Brian De Palma, he, uh, he, he's abrupt with his edits. Kind of like we covered on uh, frame rate, we cover, covered uh, uh, McCabe and Miss Miller. Right. And it's kind of a similar era where it's like it it really cuts and jarringly so for effect, at which we time. don't do as much, I would say, or at it's le- we're uh, tamer. Yeah, we're and that's part now. of what
0: gave me the Ramy vibe. He does that too, and he did it earlier than others. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I think the the unique uh, thing about Ramy and De Palma is that if you look at how they do motion, meaning like camera moves, jump cuts, zooms. Um, they both have that abruptness. They cut it off early or, you know, just it completes the zoom and then it it's cuts right at the end a little too soon, it feels. And that's them kind of saying, kind of like we are saying earlier, uh, not your grandpa's movie, you know, like we cut early, you know, that's the, that's small steps. It's the seventies, baby. Uh, and I love how he stages small little vignettes and how he kind of affected the ending, Um, there's little, uh, an event that he stages at one point is while that Carrie is kind of, um, like in the thrall of like, kind of enjoying that she's going to prom and her mom comes up. And in that scene, at one point she's looking out the window to see if Tommy's arrived and, uh, two cars almost collide in the street. Um, and it's just little things like that, that he does just to build tension, just to make you feel like you're never let go by the movie. And you're just like, why do I feel like this is all coming to a head? Which is why I mentioned kind of like whiplash at the beginning of this. It's like, to me, Brian De Palma's probably greatest power. He did in like the untouchables is that vibe that you get when you see like a movie like whiplash where you're like, oh, this thing is just not letting me get away from it. Um, and he's fantastic at it. And I wanted to point that out. Counterpoint. Why I think it's true. I feel like I can't go
0: yeah. as far praising De Palma having seen that, you know. I, I like at least five, six of his movies at this point. Pretty, it'll m- maybe multiple times in most mm. cases. Like I, I understand his work. Fan of the Paradise was new to me and delightful, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I and me, you know what? It's not even a knock because dated things be dated. Like time makes fools of us all. But I guess I'll just say, and I have to remind myself it's 1976, which at this point is, you know, 24 plus is 47 years ago. Wow, almost 50 years ago. So I got to remember that, but I will say just the modern experience of watching it, um, parts of it come off silly to me through the modern context because – they milk it so hard beyond the point where like I would say when the bucket's mm. dropping, it's like inserts of someone evilly licking their lips and the inserts after inserts just goes on and on a hand gripping around, oh, yeah. a bead of sweat going down someone's forehead. It's like, I get it. They're going to drop the fucking <laughs> bucket on her.
1: That's also the, Europe, I get that's the European yeah. shit, man. You're technically like that's also, building tension, yeah, the, the but you're way. building it to
0: a degree that comes off as almost farcical to me. By modern standards, we would just keep it tighter. Um, yes. And, you know, so there's stuff that can't help become cheesy, like the 70s fashion is clearly out of control and just weird looking to us. Abe, I know you dislike diopter shots. There's a ton of them in this movie. And And this is a problem with the book, too. Unless you hear her interior life more, but I still don't understand, given the circumstances, how when they announced that she won prom queen, how she could truly believe for mm-hmm. a second that it was true. I just don't buy that that she could even think that like it
1: would seem so suspicious. She jumps yeah, on board
0: all. pretty quick,
1: yeah. even though she's hesitant and she's like, oh, and nah, apparently Tommy is killed does. when the bucket uh, hits his head, which necessary. is that's not
0: that's just not viable either.
1: Anyway, but what I'm getting at is. Oh, I just thought he got knocked out and then uh, I looked up this whole the Wikipedia synopsis of
0: the book and of the because I wanted to know, like, I think it's a little unclear. They needed one more scene of like what became of Tommy because you don't see his body, nor do you see him alive. So you have to just assume he burned alive or something. Um, but depending on the book or movie version, he's either knocked out and burned alive or the bucket actually caves his skull in, which I just think is silly. So my point is, much like Phantom of the Opera, I still think it comes off silly sometimes more than successful at Ratcheting mm-hmm. Tension. But at other times it's on point and it's 50 years old, you know, so.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think that there's uh Another thing I want to mention Mm -hmm. while we're talking about direction stuff, color, because you mentioned color, like with that uh, huge thing. And this movie is pretty solid, like in terms of like it actually has like a color theory behind it, like red and pink and warmth is like agitation very clearly in this movie. And blue is the sense of comfort and what is perceived to be stability. But uh, as we'll probably get into, like, kind of what's the meaning of the movie, probably the intended meaning of the movie, that's a false stability. Like, Tommy's car is blue, his suit, the prom's theme is like blue toned. Uh, yeah, but both colors are wrong. It's all fucked, is the system. Um, but he likes to contrast red and blue with a unique type of agitation, which is mainly like mm-hmm. social hierarchy and religion and abuse and the idea of what being normal is uh blue is like the normal color um but i love how this movie and this is mostly stephen king's work at this point now i love how the movie kind of does take down social hierarchy and religion yeah it's probably got like It's pretty kitten paws in terms of uh, like today's kind of, you know, hard, edgier horror movies that have social commentary. But for its time, for its time, (laughs) it was fine. Uh, But like we get in this movie where it's like teachers are abusing students, students abuse students, boyfriends abuse girlfriends and vice versa. And everybody abuses Carrie. And this is seen to be a fairly normal uh situation to the point of parody and at home we get religion uh that does essentially the same follow these rules say these things do these things and so the movie's kind of saying that social organizations kind of operate in a set of rules and guidelines where one kind of has to follow them and society on the other side like in general has normalized sin Uh, which is why we get like the BJ and we get a lot of the sexual undertones of the movie, which, you know, according to Carrie's mother, religion sees as transgressive. Um, But I love how Carrie knows instinctively that she's being fucked with. Like she's in a, she's abused, you know, like the scene with Miss Collins is, is like very key to that where she's happy for Carrie to the point of looking in a mirror at one point and like living vicariously through Carrie Like it's signaling to us like, yes, let's relive this ritualistic thing that we all do prom so that we can all remember and fondly look back if this is the best time or something like that. And Carrie's like immediately, like, this is a scam. I know what a scam is. I live with scams all the time. And uh, so now it's this movie kind of becomes this cry against the institution of sin and punishment. Like what, like, what dictates a sin in either world? Like, that's Carrie's, like, I don't understand that. So why would there be any redemption for it? So burn it all down. Like, that's fucking dope. This movie seems to say that God or some kind of ultimate power, uh, and in this case, Carrie's power, is like a cleansing power, and that's it. Life just is top-down abuse all the time from pow- from more the more powerful, and that's what the world is. That's what I see in the movie Carrie, honestly. Nice. I like it. Uh, I see a a vibe
0: and elements that have since suffused so many movies that it's stupid. That's the other thing I really wanted to talk about is there are a lot of King movies. So, for example, uh, 1408. I talk a lot. I talk 1408. Doctor Sleep, too. I talk up those movies because I found them like fresh, funky takes on something. I like how 1408... its structure is not one, two, three. I guess it is with his emotional arc, but the feel of it as you're watching is that the structure is just turn horror on, horror goes hard till the end. Um, So I like those, but if you know what I mean, they don't feel like the mold from which all other horror movies flow in any sense. They don't feel monolithic. They don't feel like genre defining. Carrie kind of does, especially considering that it's 1976. Um, I just wanted to run through, it's an overload of times where I wrote compared to blank. And I really love trying to connect up the genealogical web of where ideas and art come from. You know, ideas are memes and like what, not necessarily just like who was first, but I'm interested in the whole flow of how things connect. We become fascinated, like... Our old boss Jack O'Brien was obsessed, you know, int- <laughs> often mentioned that there's a period where quicksand was a thing people thought a lot about, and then it went away, and now we don't. Like, I'm, I'm also fascinated by shit like that. So my point being, religious person who's obsessed with the idea that sex is evil till the, to the point that you have to crush and kill and destroy anything that's sex, including your own child, Antichrist. Um uh, 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 sorry, I, there's, oh yeah, it reminded me of men very much by the end, how there's just this pervasive vibe of no one in the town will help you, everyone's a piece of shit. It reminded me of witch in the predeterministic way of everyone treats her like a witch, I, she's gonna become a witch, here it comes, and it's here. Um, the way the ending, the inevitability of the sinkhole, and the way the fire looks, I'm just like, this is the end of Drag Me to Hell. She's literally going to hell right now. The biblical hell that her mother always threatened her with. That's the actual fear, or at least for me, my interpretation is to me, the final punchline that De Palma is trying to insinuate is uh, now that she's murdered all these people, if there is a hell, she probably will go to hell. I mean, that's why it says Carrie White burns in hell at the end. And how sad is that? After all we've seen and sympathized with. But yeah, but she just murdered a bunch of children. Right. She probably would go to hell. That's scary too. That's the nail in the coffin or whatever. Right. Um, the mom's death throes are played yeah. like an orgasm, which reminded me of the end of Silent Hill, but also is very fresh for the time. Um I already mentioned Precious or like the idea of someone whose life is just exists only in this narrow hallway of misery. And you're just aching the whole movie for them to find one nice person to break them out of this because, you know, the whole world is not like this. Like you said, you're like, why is everyone in this town so mean? Like everyone in the town. Um, And then, uh, yeah, we talked about the Friday 13th thing. At the end, but like even that, even though it's cheesy now, it's cheesy because it was iconic and used over and over and over. Oh, you know what's good? At the end, Jason springs out of the lake, and you're like, he- he's still here, I guess. It doesn't—you don't think about it. End of movie. Um, so there's just so many elements of this that have been borrowed again and again, and only feel played out because they've been played out, and that means they were really strong elements because otherwise they wouldn't get. Like this movie's been stripped for parts and reused a lot. Literally just like like the descent, dude. The image That's, of a woman with her long straight hair plastered
1: down with blood. This is one of the first of the of that. Yeah. What predates Yeah, yeah. I mean, that imagery is in some old I'm sure. old fucking films. I guess. Like uh, my Bark point is shit. I do think Oklahoma
0: successfully created something that feels monolithic or like you're right. iconic.
1: Exactly. I think so. It's so iconic and like we're still making references to it today. Like Adam Sandler in the 90s did They're all gonna laugh at you as like his main deal, and it's just him quoting a line from Carrie. Like it's it's crazy how how deep these roots run. I like what you said about your takeaway though, and I think that there's something if I think De Palma's... Re- like, this watch-through made me go, okay, there's something else here. Uh Because, like, I think he's drawing a line between, like, atonement and sacrifice and the concepts, the contrived kind of uh order that humans put on, you know, things like... Reli- or do via religion and stuff like that. And also the... um Like the punishment, like that's different from just punishment and abuse. Atonement is punishment for a purpose to serve that order that they're trying to. It's usually justification for abuse, but punishment and abuse is meaningless. It's literally just lambs to the slaughter. You know, like it's killing a pig. It's John Travolta killing a pig. That's the post The cold clothes should have been a farmer coming out into the barn,
0: and you don't see what he sees, but he just walks into the barn. You hear him go, Oh oh no oh no
1: wilbur oh, oh no oh god you were the best My one. favorite pigs <laughs> yeah exactly um this movie also made me think that at some point uh there should definitely be an x-men movie called yeah, gene sure yeah where before Jean Grey goes to Xavier's uh, yeah. school, she yeah. like murders a town. Yeah. I mean, probably in the history that. of the comics, because they've done everything yeah. at
0: this point. Right.
1: they seem um, carry. Yeah. Right. They created... Um, I also I mean, think Grey's the tragedy like is the really character.
0: also rooted in, which is great, the loss of potential. Like, as an aside, I'm sure, because now that I know how Stephen King works a bit, his mind, yeah. I'm sure in Stephen King's mind, she also has The Shining, because it's different in everyone, and hers is telekinetic. Um, right, but my point being, if it is religious, then what if she, then she seems like she's like Joan of Arc? She probably is chosen by God, or why does she have this power? And then if it's if it's the shining thing and it's like X Men style, and it's just a power. She's telekinetic and she's nice, like she's kind hearted. Imagine the potential of and it, what she could have done in life or been or helped people, uh, and she never got a chance to do anything, and in fact became a tool of. Destruction, even though that wasn't in her heart. Like you sense, you know, she snapped and she did what she did, but she could have been a good. not she was a good person, and blah, blah, blah. So it's like the loss of potential. like, and then I think manifest and exempt like multiplied many fold. By the fact that it's young people specifically in the bloom of life about to graduate high school and they're all slaughtered. Like when a bus of kids drowns, that's especially painful to us because of the idea of lost potential and what there was there. Um, It also made me go relook up the story of Blind Willie Johnson. And I just think that's notable if people don't know the story. Like this is what's it's a special kind of tragedy to me for people who are amazing to not ever get a fair like validation around that. So like blind Willie Johnson was this blues singer who had a career enough that he got recorded. Like imagine, Oh brother, where art that right? Like he sang at a couple of radio stations and had tunes on the radio on wax cylinders and shit. Um, and he died blind, penniless living in a gutter when an abandoned building collapsed on him in a storm. And If you're also aware of the Voyager story, it's this it's this golden thing that we sent out into space in case aliens find it that's supposed to represent the best of Earth. And it's got like equals MC squared and Pythagorean theorem and shit on it. And it only has like four songs on it. And one of them is a blind Willie Johnson song. (laughs) And I'm just imagining a future where somehow we do make first contact through that record. And the aliens are like, "Yes, we're Mm. aware of this blues song." And you're like, "It sucks that he died alone (laughs) in a gutter. That's so sad in a special way that is painful, like unfairness." Right? Went on like if he's the the instrument of first contact (laughs) for humanity, how poetically unfair! Uh, And this feels like that. Yeah, Yeah. and financially,
1: (laughs) he didn't get any of those retroactive residuals. That's how. Yeah, and that's yeah. When you die, it's like it's all. Also, talk over, about ableism. It's all over. Like anyway. in that time, we're like,
0: oh, you're blind. We're gonna define you. Literally, define <laughs> your name is Blind Willie. <laughs> you're one legged. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean. But anyway, I digress.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's your deal? What <laughs> limb have you got cut off? Yeah, it's fucked. This is Danny Dick. We're all fucked, and that's. Yeah, <laughs> he's like. Hello, I'm Danny Nicholas, And uh here's here's my beautiful song in my heart. So that's what yeah, uh, it really drove home to uh, me yeah. that is pretty mm-hmm.
0: epic is like the biblical themes of the fall, sin, how much lost potential there is in the fall, but also how much squandered potential there is yeah. if you treat a child like shit because they could have been anything and now they're going to be broken. So that sucks. Yeah, it's it's cool stuff. Right.
1: And uh <laughs> We kind of talked. We kind of talked about a few times in this podcast about Stephen King was raised as a Methodist, uh, and then around high school or later, he decided, Nah, I'm I'm, I'm not religious. Uh, and but he, I think mostly probably as a PR move. I mean, I can't speak for the man. He'd probably fight me on this. Uh, he has since said, I believe there's God, but like he doesn't have a religion. Um, but he does seem to, as we kind of, but he's not like like he sphere. doesn't hate organized religion as part of his no, brand. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, I'd say that he it's f- drawing from what he writes. It's very clear that spiritual. almost all of these movies have a great respect yeah. for some yeah. kind of spiritual ultimate power. Uh, so he probably does believe in God, but it's like, he, I don't think he believes any human version of what God could be. Uh, who can say? All I'm saying is in this movie, just like a lot of his movies, and this is like, you know, his first book or whatnot. Um, it's very clear he wanted to send this message from the jump that he's like, by the way, a, p- uh, a part that, uh, part of Americana, a part of America that is crooked and one of its like sleaziest kind of fucking hypocrisies is religion. Religion is uh abuses your mind and literally your body for its purpose and then he's also saying so does high school because he's a right. fucking nerd yeah.
0: it's a good nerd pov yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good nerd pov
0: yeah i think that's i, think that, I mean we me did it, it, it fast but that's great stuff let your brain chew on that shit for a while yeah I- um plus the next segment yeah, gets longer don't. and longer so we still got a couple minutes left as we enter our final segment the stand mm. it's time to make you stay. this is where we rank the adaptation so, yeah, on yeah the list of everything we've ever covered where it falls at some point i'll probably cave and we'll shorten it but for now the bit continues
1: it's twenty-two long this at this the point. We've had twenty-two episode episodes, episodes. and King, yes. and, uh, and we're gonna rank them all. Probably still. starting at twenty-two because um, Carrie's good. Yeah, that'll. Get I more think attention.
0: so. All right, let's do it quick. Yeah. We'll alternate. All right, twenty-two yeah, Salem's Lot, the... really bad. Maximum Overdrive, maximum even overdrive. worse. Very bad, but cocaine fueled, which I like better than boring. Twenty. 21 the Mangler, just
1: get this piece of uh, okay. shit off my eyeballs. Uh, uh, number 20,
0: Green Mile. That's a political decision. If you want to understand why I would hate on Green Mile so hard, listen to that episode.
1: Uh number 20, Dreamcatcher. It's a goddamn number mess. 19, that movie's a mess. It's a goddamn mess. Poop aliens and shit. Number 19, 1979, Salem's Lot. For the reasons that oh, Michael yeah, said. Just
0: boring. <laughs> uh not a hateful just boring Mm -hmm. number 18 same deal for me just boring children of the corn uh
1: number 18 for me is thinner just didn't work on Thinner feels so sleazy
0: (laughs) specifically yeah yeah there's multiple Uh, reasons i I I, I think the makeup feels sleazy it's like greasy anyway number 17 for me is desperation (laughs) just stupid (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah we keep using that term i mean we are still in the number 17 for me the oh, dark man. tower Screaming too
0: much what a mess too little yeah number 16 the mangler agreed with abe but i find it uniquely charming because of the performance of the villain which is unhinged and the specific challenge that's great of that's true. like the mangler can't move that's
1: so ridiculous <laughs> yeah i can i can see that point yes 15
0: What are we on? Or 16. You're on sixteen. Fifteen? Sixteen. I'm on sixteen. Dead zone. Uh fifteen. The It T V
1: series. Wildly overrated, in my opinion. Uh this is where you and I agree. The (laughs) fifteenth worst film that we've covered is nineteen ninety. Synchronized.
0: All right. Moving on. Number fourteen, Dead Zone. Close, close to synchronicity.
1: Chill. Children of the Corn, I mean, at this point, I think Mm. if you go all the way down, we've chosen They're just shifted around, except for I think the Same Number 13 for me is Thinner,
0: that actually rounds out the block of sameness, I think
1: Oh, okay, cool, and this is where I introduce Christine, which Mm -hmm. is heresy I know for a man who aspires to be exactly like John Carpenter But Haunted Car is hard to work with Unfortunately, stupid, Christine is not a it. face. Yeah.
0: Oh, boy. Um, also, Literally. 13 rounds with Christine. So that probably subconsciously affected you. You Rube. <laughs> you, you. Yes, you're right. Robot. Um, <laughs> I'm a simple number 12. Running Man. <laughs> uh, well made and fun to watch. Fuck But off. I can't say it's a good movie. It's like cheesy, you know, Schwarzenegger bullshit.
1: I can't take it seriously. Terminator is yeah, the only one I can take there. seriously. All right. I just think it deserves sure. to be above so many, but desperation is my number, is 11 my is number Christine, 12.
0: And which is like, I think quite an accomplishment. Cause again, it's a dated film about a haunted car, but it's well-made enough that it's in the middle of the list. That's
1: pretty mm. good. Uh, my number 11 is yeah. Creepshow. show. It's well, more entering the, the pack, top really. 10.
0: My number 10 is apt pupil. the, well-acted film with good vibes, but everyone involved was like terrible. So got to dock you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Number 10 for me uh-huh. is actually the green mile. Uh, Cause I don't have hang as up. much of hate as Michael does. And it's a, uh, my hang up it's is not, well put, put, that together it's not movie, put together. More or less. Yeah. They
0: can listen. Uh, number nine's dark tower. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sucks really does suck, but I mm-hmm. love the s- basic elements of dark tower so much that it crept a
1: little higher than it probably should. Yeah. That's right. And a uh, number nine's where I put up pupil for it's all the good. reasons that Michael yeah. said. Um, number
0: eight creep show mm-hmm. I am, in a short, I am a short story enthusiast and writer, so I like anthologies, so Creepshow went a little higher. Also, it's modeled after comic books. I think I have a deeper love of comic books than you do, so those things I'm like, oh, it's comic book short mm-hmm. stories. That's immediately my jam. Number eight
1: for um, 1408. Number seven, Solid
0: 1408.
1: Film. Big Cusack Solid fan, and film. as
0: I said, I love how it goes hard from jump. Mm-hmm.
1: Number seven for me is The Running God. Man. You can Greek like dumber movie.
0: movies than me. And I mean dumb in a good way. Big, dumb, loud. I have, I'm too snobby with that. I have trouble with that. Like, you know, yeah, but you know. can I'm enjoy Cliffhanger and shit. And I genuinely can't. Um, and I think it's my deficiency. Hmm. I can't have fun. Fun is yeah. fun. Anyway, number yeah. six, Carrie. <laughs> Quite high. Good movie. Um, and as I said, I am a formalist, so and I believe that Carrie, the filmmaking techniques have given more to the history of film than 1408. It's more put together than 1408. It's a good film. Number six.
1: Number six. Yeah! I always love when that happens, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for all the reasons you said, Brian De Palma is one of the better directors on this list, hands down. Uh, it's just... Uh, well put put together film. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Uh, I'm just gonna do mine. Five, four, three, two, one.
0: Five. The Mist. Four. Misery. Three. Stand by Me. Two. Doctor Sleep. One. The Shining. It hasn't changed, you know. So,
1: yep. I go. I just the only difference between our I mean same movies, but Doctor Sleep I put at four Mm. instead of two. So I go The Mist, Doctor Sleep, Misery, Stand by Me, and as it has been on. it Since has not been one, taken I down, read, The yeah. Standing Champion. I, I think there's only one film that even has the power to do it. But you're going to have to watch more episodes yeah, watch to em. hear about that. You have to find you a freaks, video version somewhere.
0: weirdos. I guess we do those. Yeah, you could go to our YouTube. You, you, little, you little piggies. You little piggies. <laughs> I'm John Travolta. And we did get it yeah. done. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Because you're the keeper of the calendar, we're trying to do this more. Could you spoil
1: some of our upcoming slate mm. for folks? Well, yes, as soon as this episode comes out, uh, later this week, I believe, um, we're going to be coming out with a Woo. Spielboys. That's Tom and I. Tom from Gamefly Employed and I talk about Spielberg, um, which is great. And we're going to be talking to the terminal. We're going to get Tom Hanks on you. Real greasy Tom Hanks on you. Uh, and after that, we're going to get, a, we're going to, of course, get the following Monday, uh, a Star Trek The Next Futurama so we're back to back in terms of our GameFly Unemployed uh, marriages uh, if you want to see what, what where all the action is for that make sure to check out both GameFly Unemployed's Patreon and ours give each of us five bucks and you get 100% of both Spiel of those shows Star Trek. that's right um, um, also but-
0: for reasons that we'll be getting into mm-hmm. more explicitly very soon this whole next month we're guesting the shit out of ourselves so um, that same week, you can look for us on Dog Zone 9000, yes. the official hot, uh, the official podcast of 1-900 uh, Hot Dog run by Sean Baby and Robert Brockway. And we'll be on SIF Pod, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, which is Alex Schmidt's pod. And I'm gathering that Katie Golden now co-hosts as well, but I'm not sure. But we're also guesting on Creature Feature, Correct. fully hosted Correct. by Katie Golden. You know, all our cracked pals. Uh, we're going to be on Hypecast this m- month, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Even more news and late Daily May. Daily Zeitgeist, all uh, Yeah, Daily Zeitgeist. Holy shit! Yeah, Extras. you're gonna get a bunch of small beans all over the place. And the reason for that is because oh. we're making a movie. As of this day, when this comes out on the Patreon, will be May first, and that means that our kicks, our Kickstarter, our yeah, it might be Seed and spark. Begun. It might be for Go a movie, Fund Papa Bear yet. We don't know because we're about to do that this weekend. We're gonna set that all up. Uh, but yeah, uh point is uh look for more news in the small if you're, speed. Yeah. If you're about all our movie in Papa the fact Bear that we're because it's an is, independent
0: film right now called Papa Bear. Yeah, if that piques your curiosity. Yeah,
1: me and this guy are basically co-wrote, co-directing and editing the story yeah, of Michael, <laughs> semi-autobiographical. He found out that his he found that's out right. that his dad's a gay furry, and uh, he has to deal with that, and that's a you know, it's a great it's a great opportunity for us to support independent film, uh, but more on that later. I'm sure you'll all be there. Um, that's it, I think. righty. then we done. All right, great episode Bom. and a handshake. We shake hands and a
0: nod. We turn and we walk away. We both walk into the desert. The little wavy heat lines make our silhouettes disappear. We're dead. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com smallbeans That's patreo ncom com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.